I'd like to welcome everybody to the Fats, Fuels, and Oils webinar, uh, forecasting webinar that we do every week. Uh, this one's for the week of May 17th. Before we begin, however, I want to drop a link here into the chat. That is for a virtual conference that we're going to have next week for uh, fuels and feedstocks, and that's on May 26. If you register for that event, it'll go towards a credit to our physical event that we have in Denver in August. So that's just an FYI. Um, the price won't change, so it's in your interest to register ahead so you get this bonus webinar content that we do next week, and that's uh, three and a half hours of content. And Tori, you'll be speaking on that one too, right? Yeah, yeah, I will. And we're not going to have this webinar next week in lieu of, of uh, that one. Thanks for the reminder. As well. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, yeah. You'll miss out on Ryan's content next week. Um, anyhow, with that, Tori, would you like to take it from here? Absolutely, thanks, George, yep. and welcome everybody. Um, so this week, or this past week, I guess, uh, we still have kind of the same thing going on in the, in the world veg oil markets with, um, with prices going onward and upward. Uh, palm oil prices set an all-time record before taking a, a long holiday weekend, came back and kind of drifted a little bit lower and then kind of came back and um, moved higher. Um, soybean oil hasn't quite reached that point yet, but it is quickly closing in. And so with that, we'll kind of get into what we're going to talk about. Um, all right. So you can see our forecast. We still have this, this down part here. Um, what I'll say about that really is, and I think I've kind of said this before, but if I haven't, um, then there's probably a little bit of explanation that needs to take place given what we've seen in prices. Typically at some point when farmers get the soybean crop planted and things go in in a relatively timely manner, which is certainly describes what's going on this season, soybean prices will sell off. Uh, this happens even in years when stocks are generally tight and expected to remain generally tight like they are this year. Um, but this year we haven't really, really seen that. At some point in the maybe not too distant future, that little decline may go away. Of course, as soon as I do that, then prices will drop dramatically. Um, but in the interim, that kind of explains that. Um, beyond that, we still expect prices to, um, from whatever level they're at, as we enter into the fourth quarter to rise and, and perhaps rise pretty dramatically based on a pretty substantial increase in demand from renewable fuel producers. Uh, this past week, we got uh, the World Agricultural or USDA's uh, WASDE report. Um, this was the first report that featured USDA's 21-22 projections and also the first report where USDA combined its accounting for uh, soybean oil usage in um, all biofuel production, not just biodiesel. And that told us a little bit, that told us a, a couple of things. So this is uh, the 2020, this is obviously the new 2021 or 2122. Um, and then the change here is the change from uh, the balance sheet that USDA presented at their Agricultural Outlook Forum 
in February, I think, in late February. But let's just talk a little bit about what was going on with this change in biofuel. So USDA essentially took renewable diesel out of, uh, out of non the former non-biodiesel category and added it to this new biofuel category, which was formerly known as biodiesel. And you can see they took 1.5 billion pounds out and added 1.6 billion pounds. So what we can say about that essentially is USDA thinks that um, soybean oil usage and renewable diesel production is probably about 1.6 billion pounds. You could argue maybe that um, USDA expects a big surge in soybean oil usage and biodiesel production, and that might account for some of the 1.6 billion pounds, and that's a fair argument to make, and we won't ever really know because um, there's not a split out for each of the categories. But I would argue that given what we've seen in uh, margins for soybean oil and biodiesel production particularly, that adding uh, soybean oil as a feedstock to biodiesel um, production is, is relatively minimal. The economics of it don't look very good right now, so it's just not a time that I would think USDA or any analyst would be increasing the amount of soybean oil that they're using in, in biodiesel production. That said, maybe maybe it does account for, for a little bit. Like I said, we'll never really know. This number is, is relatively, I think it's about a billion pounds below uh, what we're projecting for soybean oil usage in renewable diesel production. Um, and so we think that USDA probably will come up a little bit as, um, as the EIA reports the data. However, again, given the economics of the deteriorating economics of soybean oil usage and in, in biodiesel or renewable diesel production, um, ultimately it may be us that has to come down. We'll probably, if, if that's the case, we'll probably be relatively slow to do it just because the fact that um, once you get through the low CI feedstocks, there really isn't another game in town. And so if you want to keep your plan open, uh, you're going to have to use soybean oil. And so that's going to mitigate sort of what the pure economics would suggest in terms of uh, the amount of soybean oil that, that should be used. Um, the other change that USDA made was, was not a surprising cut in their forecast for US exports down 200 million pounds. They're a little bit above uh, where we are and we're both about two or 300 million pounds depending on the week. Uh, where there's several indicators that we kind of use to estimate um, to estimate soybean marketing year soybean oil shipments, and those are kind of around 1.9 or 2 billion pounds. Um, USDA typically takes sort of a, a stair step approach to these kind of decreases. They it's unusual for them to make the entire decrease at once. And, and I guess we're guilty a little bit of, of the same thing. It keeps us from whipping our, our forecasts around too much. Um, but I would expect probably both of us will be continuing to cut our forecasts um, as we go forward. Now for 21-22, there were a couple of relatively interesting things, I think, in, in this and a couple of things where uh, we're a little bit different than USDA. The biggest one is probably in production. 
um, our forecast for 21-22 crushing um, are about 125 million bushels above where USDA is. Um, maybe a little less than that. We're at 2325, and I think they're maybe they're at 2225. Um, and that gives us a, a that plus imports gives us about uh, 1.3 billion pounds more of supply um, than USDA is is projecting. Again, I think that USDA will probably trend in in our direction. Um, that said, yesterday's NOPA data, which came in below expectations, doesn't really argue for our 2021 crush number, which is also above USDA's. And we may see a similar thing um, around this time next year, next summer crush may, may slow. Now, we've talked a little bit in the past about oil share and its impact on, on uh, crushers' decisions, whether to crush or not, or how they match up their crushing volume with demand. Um, there's some potential that by the time we get to next summer, uh, oil share will have risen enough that crushers are actually crushing to meet the demand for soybean oil as opposed to soybean meal, which is what we think they're still doing now. Um, even cash crush uh, or cash oil share is, is at 49% essentially, and we think probably needs to go into the mid 60s before you really see um, crushers crushing for oil. Um, so next year's crush will be a bit up in the air. Uh, we put together a report recently that details the expansions that we've seen in, in crushing capacity and in um, oil refining capacity. Uh, if you have some interest in that, uh, talk to George. So we also have the same kind of thing here in biofuel and non-biofuel usage where USDA added 4.2 billion pounds to uh, their prior biodiesel um, forecast and subtracted 2.6 from food feed and other. Uh, this one I would suggest is much more um, new renewable diesel production coming online that has added the extra 1.6 billion pounds from what they subtracted from food feed and other. Uh, and so um, I think that their 4.2 billion pound is probably a, a fair reflection of what they think for renewable soybean oil usage and renewable diesel production. Again, they're, they're substantially lower than we are. We're over 7 billion pounds. Um, and we think that uh, if production is, is close to what we expect it to be, um, that USDA ultimately will need to raise probably their crushing number and also their, their soybean oil usage and non and, uh renewable diesel production, sorry. Um, the other interesting thing here is in this, it's kind of a no brainer, but when you have a forecast where you are, show a huge 1 billion um, pound decrease in exports year over year, you're always kind of wondering if other people will come along with you. And the fact that USDA has lowered their, uh, their export forecast by about a billion pounds year over year, makes me feel, I don't know if better is the right word, but it's nice to have a little bit of company on on the fact that uh, exports are probably going to slow pretty dramatically next year. Again, given what's going on in the biofuel industry, that's kind of a no-brainer, but you never really know until, until you know. 
we both expect um, stocks to decline year over year. Uh, again, our stronger um, soybean oil usage and biofuel production gets us much tighter and potentially down to about um, about pipeline levels or about the lowest level that we can that we can kind of take stocks. It'll be interesting to see how that number develops over the year. Uh, I think we came in with expectations that this year would be significantly below where we are right now. And it's turned out um, quite not to be the case. Uh, we've gotten a little bit smaller reduction year over year um, or, or essentially flat year over year. Um, and that's a bit of a surprise, especially given the fact that if you look at just the food feed and industrial, this actually increased. And so if you told me at the beginning of the year that you would have flat stocks and an increase in, in non-biofuel usage, um, I, would have, I would have taken the other side of, of that bet. We've both got a decrease in non-biofuel usage. And as I've talked about before, this kind of balancing act between stocks and exports and non-biofuel usage, um, given whatever assumptions you wanna make about biofuel usage is kind of the key to, to the whole thing. And so um, we've been a little bit more aggressive on this, both for 2021 uh, and 21-22. We've had to raise this one. And so there's some chance that we ultimately may have to raise this one too, just because the not, a lot of the non-biofuel applications, again, soybean oil is a relatively small portion of the overall cost structure. And while they certainly don't wanna pay higher prices, they can pay higher prices um, probably than the biofuel industry. And so this number may not come down as much as we expect it to. Um, all right, for canola oil, we got the same thing. Um, there's just a couple of things that I'll run through here really quickly. Uh, for Canadian canola oil, actually, they didn't really make that many changes. The changes that they did make um, to 2021, of course, we didn't have a 21-22 because they didn't present the Canadian canola oil uh, balance sheet at the AOF conference. Um, for 2021, the changes they did make were generally kind of in line with where we are. Uh, the only surprise was exports are a little bit stronger. They're a little bit stronger than, um, than we are. In 21-22, uh, we're, we're generally in line. We have a little bit bigger crush number and that gives us a little bit bigger domestic usage. I'll just look at the the canola supply and demand really quickly because USDA finally gave up the ghost and um, raised their crush forecast to 10.2 million tons. Uh, this has been something that has seemed really apparent to us for, for quite some time, given the numbers that COPA has reported, both for monthly and for weekly crushing volumes. Um, they didn't change their export number, and we're a little bit above them on, on the export number, and, and so we have a little bit tighter carryout. What happens here will be really interesting and will probably tell us a lot about what happens here next year. We have kind of the same situation going on next year except we're a little bit lower in exports because um, stocks are, are tighter coming in for us and we expect stocks to remain pretty tight. Uh, all right, for palm oil, we got, again, the same sort of 21, 22. Um, 
new balance sheets and USDA made some changes to their 2021 numbers to kind of true up to uh, what MPOB has published. They cut production. Uh, I think they're probably still a little bit high there. And, um, and then offset that kind of with exports and a little bit of industrial use uh, to keep their stocks relatively unchanged, just down just a little bit. The key takeaway here is kind of the fact that um, this stocks number does not get back above 2 billion or 2 million metric tons next year. That again is kind of the key level that I think of between sort of bullish prices and bearish prices. If palm oil is gonna remain relatively tight next year and the US biofuel industry is going to absorb a lot of the soybean oil supply, it's very hard to imagine a scenario where we get um, any sustained weakness in vegetable oil prices. A lot of this year's rally, or at least the early rally this year was driven by Chinese demand and their kind of shortfall last year. It's, it's a shortfall every year, but last year's was a little bit worse than they typically are in, in vegetable oils. Um, and at least I, maybe not anybody else thought this, but at least I thought maybe we would get some relief on on that side and Chinese demand wouldn't be so strong and we'd see, we'd start to see a build in um, world vegetable oil inventories. That doesn't look like that's going to be the case. And so I think that vegetable oil prices um, at these levels or, or relatively close to these levels are here to stay at least through the end of the 21-22 marketing year. Um, again, depending a little bit on, on how North American production goes and what the, the Brazilian crop looks like next winter, all of that aside, um, it looks like it's going to be difficult to build stocks enough so that we really get any real pressure in, in soybean oil prices or vegetable oil prices more generally. All right, on to biodiesel. So this is the same chart that we show every week. Um, and it just shows the hobo spread, which continued to move higher this past week. It had kind of, uh, the July spread had kind of paused for a little bit for about a week, just below $3. And this past week, it kind of busted through that level. Um, and so that continues to pressure the margins, which we'll kind of go through in a second. The more interesting thing this week is probably that on Thursday, we get EMTS data from the EPA. And um, this is why we show this chart every week because this trend line is, is a big part of how we do our monthly production forecasts. And April, given what we saw for the hobo spread, um, production in April will tell us a lot about whether domestic um, biodiesel production is going to follow sort of this trend line or it's going to follow this lower trend line. Now, again, neither of these are fantastic predictors of, of monthly prices, and it's not like we really just only look at this line to to predict monthly production, um, but they do serve as, as useful guides. And if 
April production is above this trend line substantially. If, if April production is essentially unchanged or maybe up a little bit from the five-year average, uh, it's gonna be difficult to make the argument that the continuing rise in the hobo spread is having a substantial impact on, um, on output. Now, obviously it, it does have an impact and even this line is, is trending lower. Um, as the hobo spread rises, but it won't be as large of an impact as as we think. We have this other chart where we show the the um, impact of the hobo spread and the rin spread. It kind of looks a little bit similar to this, um, and the rin prices have set offset a portion of the increase in the hobo spread but for example this past week they really didn't do that and so margins continued to come down so I'm really sort of looking forward to the EMTS data because I think that'll give us some guidance on um, our production forecast not only for the rest of the months but also for the rest of the year. So just kind of running through gross margins really quickly and then we'll go um, you can see the big drop in, in um, biodiesel margins due to the fact that we assume that this is, um, this is mostly uh, made from soybean oil. Our, our feedstock mix assumption here is 75% soybean oil and 25% yellow grease. Um, you can assume that if you have a renewable diesel plant that uses mostly soybean oil, or if you're trying to model a renewable diesel plant that uses mostly soybean oil, its gross margins look are, are much closer to this line than they are to this line, which uses um, all low CI feedstocks. Even with the um, credits that didn't really offset uh, the decline in, in uh, biodiesel margins, um, you can see we've got renewable diesel margins have gone up a bit. In part, that's because uh, low CI feedstock prices have been kind of flat, or at least they were flat before sort of this week. Um, and the RIN price has, has risen. And again, if you have a renewable diesel plant that is using a lot of soybean oil, it's going to look much more like uh, this orange line, or at least the trend is going to look much more like the orange line than it is the, the blue line. I would tend to think of these things outside of their absolute level. This is what it looks like. Uh, this would be the trend if you're using low CI feedstocks, and this would be the trend if you're using soybean oil, no matter what product you're you're using. Our in price forecast, um, we've got it going up a little bit from current levels, and then the model wants to bring it back down. Uh, that is in part because of our hobo spread forecast, which we also kind of bring back down. And that goes back to that decline in, in the soybean oil price forecast based on a decline in, um, in soybean prices. If that doesn't happen, all of these probably continue to move higher in the next three to four months, at least ahead of the US the U.S. harvest. Of course, the U.S. harvest then immediately after that, we get um, an increase in renewable diesel capacity. And so I think you could safely say if we don't get a decrease in, in soybean prices here, 
this spring or in the early summer is, is if we've got really good planting conditions, it's going to be awfully tough for us to get one before the end of the year. Uh, and finally, our LCFS credit price forecast still remains the same. Um, LCFS credit prices have bounced a little bit um, and we've got them maybe bouncing a little bit more, but then kind of continuing to slowly uh, decline going forward. Um, this is just a, a one month thing where um, we've got it kind of up for this month and then back down um, from this, this trend here and then sort of slowly decreasing going forward. All right, with that, I will open it up for any questions. All right, Tori. Well, we have a lot of questions for you today. Outstanding. <laughs> All right. Um, why did ending stocks for this year not go as low as you expected? Um, that is a very good question as I think about it. Um, because really, uh, well, one thing I'll say is my crush forecast has creeped up a little bit as we've gone through the year. And that's probably the biggest reason. Um, I think we started at maybe 2.1 or 2.15 billion bushels, and now we're up to 2.25. Outside of that, you know, like I said, we we've raised our non biofuel um, forecast and our export forecast has also come down. I think we probably started the year there at 2.6 and now we're at 2.2. So there's another 400 million. And so you probably have between six and 800 million pounds of, of additional supply just from the increase in the crush forecast and um, the decrease in exports and the increase in non-biofuel was, uh, was about 300 million pounds, I think. And so that about equates to the increase from, I th we were probably about 1.5 billion pounds coming into the year on ending stocks. And now we're about 1.8. I think that math generally kind of works out. Um, so I, I, the crush part is was probably the biggest surprise out of all of that. I think the export number, we were a little bit optimistic just based on the fact that world fundamentals remain really bullish. We thought that export US exports would remain competitive for a little longer than um, than we expect or than has actually occurred. We didn't really anticipate prices running up to these levels until uh, the fourth quarter of this year. And so the, the sharp rise in prices kind of cut the export number. Now, the, the last thing I'll say about this really quickly is that um, our crush forecast number of 2.225 uh, is higher than USDA's. I think they're at 2.19. And um, given what we just got from NOPA for April crush, we're gonna probably have to lower that at some point. And so our stocks number is probably gonna come down. I wouldn't expect it to come down a lot, but we may get down to sort of 1.7 um, if we just think about the impact of crush. And now we also are gonna probably cut our export forecast. So those ultimately may offset. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, can imported soy oil from Argentina or palm oil from Southeast Asia work into the California slash Oregon LCFS market? Uh, 
soybean oil can and um, and does and has recently. Um, there have been a couple of cargoes that were done recently, or at least rumored to be done recently. Uh, I haven't seen those on the Argentine lineup, uh, but I haven't checked the Argentine lineup every day. I've, I haven't checked it this month, or I haven't checked the shipped lineup this month yet either. And so, um, I don't know if those actually shipped yet or not, but but that are that arb was was definitely open, or has been open, and so that increase in in imports that we have relative to USDA, a lot of what we expect is is Argentine soybean oil coming up to um, to the California market. Palm oil is a little bit different story. You can import palm oil and generate a D5 credit. And if soybean oil prices continue to rise, that's one of the things that um, that may happen. D5 credits aren't worth quite as much as, as D4 credits. And so there's some offsetting economics at work there. Uh, there's also sort of a uh, palm oil isn't viewed as as environmentally friendly and so there's a little bit of of that kind of thing going on as well that said uh the only palm oil that can come into the u.s and actually generate credits are from plantations that have been certified not to have um you know burned down any of the peat bogs to um, plant palm trees and so uh, I think you could see a, a little bit of an increase in, in palm oil potentially, but I don't know that. I, I think the bigger move probably is Argentine soybean oil into the California market and less so palm oil into the California market. Uh, Tori, are you okay running a few minutes long? Sure, sure. Okay. Um, can nearby soybean oil futures trade over a dollar? Uh, in theory, yeah. I mean, um, if we have a a drought this summer, I would bet my house that um, soybean oil futures will hit a dollar. Um, if we have, if we grow a good crop this summer, and um, in Brazil grows a good crop this winter, I think it's going to be hard for them to get above a dollar. Soybean oil hasn't set record highs like um, like palm oil has. All time record highs like palm oil has. The all time record high is is around seventy two something, uh, and so we've got three cents to go before we get there. How soybean oil futures, how the nearby future reacts to that all time high, will be interesting and will probably tell us a lot about whether we can trade up to a dollar or not. If we just kind of blow through that level, um, especially if if it's say a month and a half from now, six weeks from now, the U.S. crop looks really, really good, and people's expectations for U.S. soybean production are rising, and soybean oil, the the July contract just blows through that level on its way to uh, delivery, then um, I think that chances are much, much better that we trade above a dollar than if we kind of hang around that level for a while and the market tries to figure out what U.S. production is going to be relative to um, current expectations. Okay. Um, for your soy oil demand and renewable diesel in 2020, 
2021, 2022. What assumptions are you making for the plants coming online in terms of capacity ramp up and also the share of total feedstocks being used? Uh, so the plants coming online is something that I would have to kind of open up a spreadsheet for. Um, I think what we have essentially is we have, if, if I'm remembering this correctly, I think we have renewable diesel capacity effectively doubling maybe in 2021. I think we go from sort of maybe a billion gallons a year kind of currently or, or recently, I may be slightly off on these, to uh, 2 billion gallons by the end of, of this year. And then I think from two to 4 billion gallons um, in 2022. In terms of soybean oil usage as a percentage of total feedstocks, I can kind of show you something here. Let me reshare my screen. Uh, let me get back to, sorry about this. And we got one more question after this, Tori. Okay, let me share this. Uh, this is total feedstocks, and we've got renewable diesel production at uh, 7.3 um, billion pounds, 7.4 billion pounds in 2021, and then 13.3 in 2022. And if we look then again at uh, soybean oil calendar year balance sheet. We've got it at 7.8 and then 8.4. So we've got it for 2021 as a share of, of total feedstocks is 7.3. I must have been looking at the total total number. A fair amount of it is, I think, is the fast answer was without jumping back and forth between here. Renewable diesel 3.8 for 2021. So about 50% for 2021, 8.4 for 2022, and uh, 2022, 13.3. So a little bit more than 50% for, um, for 2022. The thing about that question really is that um, as, as you get expansion in renewable diesel capacity, um, I would think that the percentage of soybean oil is a, is a soybean oil's percentage of the total feedstock mix will continue to increase because um, we're not going to kill more cows or, or slaughter more pigs to produce um, additional leachable fancy tallow or um, or choice white grease. Now, the one area that we can potentially maybe raise uh, other feedstocks is distiller's corn oil. Um, I think that there are some relatively inexpensive um, investments that ethanol producers can make that can raise that pretty quickly by, by 20% and potentially um, by substantially more than that. But I think what you'll see probably in our forecast coming up in our next um, quarterly update for the Outlook report is more DCO production based on this idea. Okay. And the last question I have for you, does PFAD qualify for LCFS or is it 
is it used in biodiesel or renewable diesel today? Um, I think that it there is some um, there is a, a a little bit that has been grandfathered in. There's a there's a weird uh, D five again um, uh, RIN that gets generated, and um, I think that's what that is. I'm not 100% sure whether it qualifies for LCFS. Off the top of my head, I think um, it does not, but I will check and, um, and follow up on that question. I'm a little bit curious myself. I don't think it does. I don't remember it showing up in the LCFS um, feedstock reports, but they have sort of another, uh, other catch-all categories. Um, so it may be included a little bit in there, but there is a little bit that's being used um, in generating RINs uh, right now under the D5 category. Sounds good. Well, Tori, that's all the time we have questions for. Thank you so much for the questions, attendees. Thank you for submitting them. And we will not have a forecast next week, forecast webinar. Instead, we will be at the virtual conference. So if you want to do that, you can go ahead and click on the link in the chat and register for that in advance. Thank you all. Have a great day. Thanks, everybody.